Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, this is a live edition of the Believe in Miami Heat podcast. Uh, it's myself and Norris Cole. As you know from listening before, previous weeks, we do these lives uh, maybe like once a month we've done so far. Uh, our show is presented by Bet Online, so I just want to thank them. July is underway with a great month of sports. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. With the NBA Finals ending and MLB heading into the second half of the season, there's plenty of betting action to get involved in. If you're a football better, there's tons of futures and props you can wager on as well. Bet Online has the latest odds, news, and information for all your sports betting needs. Visit the website today. Use your mobile device and join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So before we get going, as always, I got the champ here, Norris Cole. So Norris, introduce yourself What's up to everybody. What's going on, Heat Nation? The champ is here. Norris, what's going on in your life? What are you What are you up to now? Well, right now I'm in full training mode. Um, I'm I just you know finished not too long ago my third workout of the day. I'm in full training mode, full eating mode. <laughs> I'm in full get ready for next season mode right now. That's that's what I've been doing, and uh, other than that, just relaxing, you know, taking care of my body. But I'm in full training mode, so that's been my my focus. So for people that may not be, you know, privy to that type of information, what does that look like? A day like today, three workouts, what are you doing? You know, what are you, how are you taking care of your body? What's a day, you know, a day like today look like for normal? So the day I would, I would wake up, have breakfast around, you know, six in the morning, seven in the morning. Um, I have a eight fifteen workout on the court. Uh, I may, I have a three o'clock weight room session and then I have a, um, a 4:45 on court session. So I do two on courts and one weight room session. That that's that'll those will be my workouts. And in between all that, you know, I have a meal prep to make sure I'm eating, getting refueled, you know, getting everything, you know, back hydrated. So when you're when you're looking at, you know, it's months ahead of the season, people have to realize that this is not just a you know, uh, October to May job. I mean, this is year round. If you want to stay in tip top shape, uh, I know you've talked about before, you know, you don't like to take too much time off, maybe a week or two. So you don't lose your edge. It's, you know, it's, it's a grind. It's, it's not something that's easy. That's why it's so hard for people to do. Absolutely, man. It's part of, it's part of, you know, the discipline and, and what it takes to have longevity in this game. Um, I learned that from my, my vets that I played with early in my career. If you if you stay in shape and you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And it's not it's not hard to get in tip top shape when you always are staying in some sort of fitness during the off season. And so that's what I try to do. Um, it avoids injuries. It avoids um, and it avoids you know little little ticky tack things that that you may go through during the season, like little tweaks, tight muscles. Um, spasms things like that when you keep your body in shape all year round you have less of those little nagging you know injuries and also man it's just like you get a short time to play this game so you want to you want to do it as much as you can i want to run and jump as much as i can because you know when the athlete's career is over it's, it's over all the way you know there's it's not like a normal nine to five where you can you know, have a business and run it until you're 80, 90 years old, you know, athletics, you know, once you lose the quick twitch, once you lose the jumper, once you lose the touch, it's over. And so 
I just want to take advantage of all the gifts, you know, I've been blessed with. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think there's also a balance. And I, and I want to kind of tie this into something heat related. And unfortunately, the name Tyler Hero is back on Twitter again. He was at a concert the other night on stage and people are you know upset about that. And, you know, he, you're working three times a day today. But you also have time now where you're not in the season. You're spending with family. You're spending with friends. But you're also taking time for yourself. How do right. you feel about that balance? Maybe not just connected to Tyler because we know that's it's just nonsense. You know, no matter what he does, he's going to get criticized by quote unquote Heat fans, which unfortunately I'm starting to think they're not Heat fans. They're they're just kind of hating on him for whatever reason. But there right. has to be some time to balance, right? You're working so hard today, three times a workout today. There also has to be some time for some fun, some relaxation, some time with friends and family. What do you think about that whole aspect? Because that's been in the in the kind of the Heat news this week. Absolutely, man. You have to take time and have the balance. You can't be in basketball overdrive. So for me, I have a balance. You know, I I have a certain amount of days that I do that. And then on the weekends, it's all family and all rest time. You know, that's how it's like I I make it like a normal work week. I work Monday through Thursdays or Monday through Fridays. And then I have the weekend off to let my body, you know, recover, to go travel, go see. You know, if I want to travel somewhere, if I want to do something with my family, I use that that time on the weekend to replenish. And the good thing about off season, if I am feeling, you know, sore or feeling some type of way during the week, I can just take that time off because, you know, it's not during the season, you know, during the season, you know, you you really can't take time off, but you know, in the off season, if you are feeling nicked up and you need to have an extra day off or extra day of rest, that's what the off season is for. Or if you want to have some fun, and do some things that you may not normally be able to do, the off-season is the time for that because we all know once the season starts, it's a, it's a grind. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad you said that because, you know, that, that balance and, and the work that you guys put in as professional athletes, it's year-round. You're sacrificing so much of your time during the season to stay prepared, not just showing up at, you know, 6.30 for a shoot-around, but it's, it's a constant, you know, eating the right meals, taking care of your body, doing – you know, things to make sure your body is ready for game time. And this is your time, you know, and, right. and there's still that balance of you still, if you take all this time off and you're just sitting back, kicking it back and watching Netflix, that's not going to work out very good either. Like you said, you have a limited time for your career, but you know, it's, there has to be a little bit of enjoyment too. You're still a person. Professional athletes are still people, you know, we work, uh, you know, I work a nine to five. I'm a teacher. I work, you know, five days a week for, whatever it is, 36 weeks, let's say, and I have the summers off. In the summertime, that's the time that I can go. Like right now, I'm traveling. I can't do that during the, you know, the school year. It's the same thing. You know, it's still people. Like it's, that's what I think sometimes to lose grip of is that everybody has to have their release. And professional athletes are no different than that. Tomorrow morning, you know, after the concert, Tyler is probably in the gym working his butt off. So that, that exactly. balance, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy to me that some people, and you know, it's social media, and we've talked about that before. It's just crazy, but – you know, it's, it's unfortunate that a guy like him, 21 years old, is getting criticized for that. When think about what people were doing when they were 20, 21, you know, that are probably <laughs> criticizing him. So that's the funny thing. Yeah, he right, well, let's transition. To, oh, go ahead. He just has to stay true to his work ethic, man, and have fun and, you know, not worry about, you know, what people are saying. And just understand that comes with the territory. Somebody's always going to have something to say. That just comes with the territory. Definitely. So let's transition. We, we've talked a little bit heat here, heat here, and we'll come back to that in a second. But 
just yesterday, the Olympic team, we've talked about them before, and Norris, uh, with his experience playing in Europe, has a, a great grasp of the uh, FIBA rules. And in talking about that loss and breaking down sort of what happened, I've really leaned into what I've learned from Norris in, in talking to him about the FIBA rules, especially on the defensive end. So USA loses to France. You have Rudy Gobert, who essentially was able to block off the paint. Norris, what did you see? I, I didn't catch the whole game, so I won't try to be an expert. I didn't see every you know tip to f- the final buzzer. But the things you've talked about before, and, and why is USA struggling, especially when you talk about France and Rudy Gobert? Well, one, the international ball – is different than the NBA ball. And so players have a little more freedom to show what they can do, you know, in international ball. You know, it's not like in the NBA where they have to, you know, play to a, a system per se. You know, when they go back to their home countries, they are the marquee names. They are the marquee players. And so playing international ball, that's their chance to be able to show that. And um, that's what Rudy Gobert did. And Evan Fournier did the same thing. He got out there and he showed out. And the rules, as far as the rules being different, man, that's not just the adjustment that a, a player can make overnight. When you play 10, 11, 12 years in the NBA and you're used to the rules being one way, and then for two weeks or for a month, you're playing a whole different rules, a whole different style game. It takes some adjustment, especially when the rest of the world is catching up. It's not like back in the day where we were head and shoulders above everybody else. I'm, I'm still, you know, confident that we're the best country when it comes to basketball, but we're not so dominant to where we can just put a team together and go out there and just win. You know, we have to have some camaraderie. We have to, you know, get an understanding, get a feel for the rules and the feel for the game. And that's what Team USA is doing. And I think that they'll be fine, but it's not going to be easy. Yeah, I think that's the interesting thing, and, and a lot of fingers have been pointed towards Coach Popovich, which is, is interesting, and we've talked about this before. His resume is unquestioned. He's one of the greatest coaches ever, right. and like the adjustments that he can make, there's really only so much he can do in the limited amount of time he had. You know, He had a few weeks to get them together. Some of these guys just came a few days ago from the NBA Finals, and it's interesting to me because the way that he's kind of criticized in a way he's not going to get that same glory if they win. He took on a job that essentially he has to be perfect. Any losses by him in the Olympics, people are going to point their finger at him. So some people look at it like an easy job because you get to coach essentially the greatest team in the world. But at the same time, you have to coach the greatest team in the world and have no mistakes. If you lose, you're going to get blamed. What do you, what do you think about uh, I think it's kind of unfair to totally blame Pop. Obviously, when you're the head coach or when you're the best player, you're going to get a lot of blame. But I think it's kind of unfair because he's not out there running. He's not out there jumping. He's not out there boxing out. He's not out there shooting. So to totally, you know, put it on him, I, I don't believe that that's fair. And from watching the game, we have the most talented scorers in the world, and we almost went scoreless the last two minutes of the game. So, you know, that's really not on pop. That's on, you know, the guys, you know, getting used to playing with each other, not hesitating. Um, for some guys, it's harder for them to move the ball and be a floor spacer when they're used to the, you know, having the ball out top doing their thing. That takes some adjustment. But on this team, it's going to take guys having to sacrifice and sp- space the floor and get off of the ball and move the ball side to side rather than ISO. Because, you know, you're not going to win international competition 
by saying, here, you're the best player, go win the game for us. That's not how it works in international ball. And that's that's something that, you know, the guys on Team USA are going to have to adjust to, and I'm sure they will. Yeah, and, and one of the things, I've, I've started to steal some of your sayings. I hope you're okay with that. That's okay. Be a star in your role. You know, be a star in your role. These guys are all stars of their teams back in the NBA. So there has to be an adjustment when you're coming into a game like this. And these guys are used to leading their team in touches, high usage rates. And now they have to adjust to a more team environment where they're not going to be the number one option every time. Only one guy can be the number one option on that team. They all have to take different roles. There has to be an adjustment there, too. Absolutely. And it's, it's a mental adjustment as well. When you know you're capable of putting in 20, 30, 40, 50 points in a game, but you're asked to run the floor hard to create space, but you're not going to get the ball. Or when you're asked to, you know, flash and swing the ball side to side, when you're used to catching it and pick and rolling, one-on-one scoring, it takes a mental adjustment to do that. And it takes some humility to do that. And, you know, if Team USA wants to win, you know, they're going to have to do it because there's no secret. KD is the guy. He's the number one offensive guy on our team. Let's not get that mistaken. So, you know, when he takes some some tough shots, which he doesn't take a lot of tough shots, but you can live with it. But you can't live with multiple guys, you know, going out there trying to, you know, make the shot to help the team win the game. You know, you got to trust moving the ball side to side, trust the floor spacing, trust rebounding, and at the end of the day, boxing out. Because, you know, <laughs> France got a lot of offensive rebounds down the stretch of that game that's how they were able to come back and so we you know we got to do the little things you know star players are not used to always doing the little things and so they have to readjust their mind and understand they're not the star players on the nba roster they're teammates on team usa and speaking of fifths i wanted to ask you about bam and draymond they were the starting front court uh on sunday and you know kind of relating this to when we start talking about the heats offseason bam and draymond I mean, that's a great that's a great duo on defense. Offensively, it seems like it's kind of a weird fit, especially with spacing. What do you think about that fit? Bam had a good game. He was second in, uh, in the team in scoring. But the fit between those two is great defensively. But offensively, I, I'm not sure about that. I, I think you almost could go small ball. But then you start talking about, you know, if you put KD at the four, let's say, and Bam's at the five, rebounding was an issue. It could be even more of an issue. What do you think about that? I mean, I, I don't want to criticize Draymond or I don't want to criticize Bam, but just the fit to me. I thought it was fine until the last three minutes. I mean, we were winning the game. <laughs> if we win that game, we don't even say or discuss this. So I think it was fine. I just think we just have to focus on closing the game and focus on the details of the game. You know, we were right there. That game was a winnable game. It's not like we got, you know, blew out or anything like that. So I just think if we do those little things, you know, like boxing out, which, you know, it doesn't take coaching to do that. That's just something that you just do as a discipline, you know. And, you know, we try to get some easier shots at the end of the game. I think we'll be fine. I, I'm not the type to overreact. I really think that Draymond and Baum are great defensively, like you said. Both of them can pass the ball. Both of them can move the offense side to side. Both of them can rebound, which are, which are all things that you have to do as an international big. And to your point, you know, that last possession, about 20 seconds left, roughly. How many times did we get wide open looks? Just couldn't knock one down. You you knocked one of those shots down. Just that one possession. And and you never want to 
single out one possession because there's a lot of things that happens over the course of the game. But, man, one possession where they got, I think, three offensive rebounds, missed all four shots, that right there, and like you said, it changes the whole narrative. If they squeak by, there's going to be people that criticize a little bit and say, oh, USA didn't play well, they didn't. They barely beat France. But at this point, wins are wins. You know, They don't have wins that are close and wins that are by a lot. It all goes in the same column. So, you know, I, I want to ask one more thing that you have a good perspective on playing over in Europe. The view of of international play to Americans. You know, you go over there and, and you think back to way before, you know, 1992, the Dream Team. They were looked at like superstars. They talk about signing autographs and pregame warmups. Do you think that the the view of Americans and American basketball has shifted where maybe there's not so much of a fear of Americans playing an in international play as before? Um, uh, a little bit. I mean, teams know how dominant we are and how dominant we can be. They just, I'm going to tell you what the Europeans bank on. They hope that we try to win individually with talent and they hope that they can win as a unit. But when we play as a unit with our talent, you know, we can't be beat really, you know, so we still have the supreme talent. Um, But the fear factor, yeah, I think it's a little bit down, but that's because we don't send our best players. You know, the dream team, we sent our best. So the world didn't stand a chance. And it would be the same now if we sent, all of our best players, if we sent LeBron, if we sent Steph, Kyrie, KD, you know, if we sent James Harden, Anthony Davis, if we sent that squad over there, it would still, they would be fearful. It, trust me, everyone in the world would be fearful if we sent that squad there. But the fact that we're not sending our A1 players, you know, the fear factor is not there as much. Definitely. And you've mentioned this before about the turnover that United States has. You know, every four years or so, we're having – a brand new group and you have some guys that carry over but when you look at these other teams some of these guys are playing you know multiple olympics year after year qualifying tournaments in between so that chemistry the knowledge of the offense we're not changing coaches like this the stuff that the advantages that they have in terms of chemistry uh experience understanding yeah i mean that, i think that's huge but I, I agree you know like you said no excuses to the usa team we don't have our best but we have enough and if we play like a team, we should win. Uh, and I don't think that's arrogance by any means either. No, it's not arrogant. I mean, I mean that's just the fact. I mean, that's the first loss we've had in a comp- international competition in I don't know how long. That's like the first loss in – I think it's 2004 is the last time in the Olympics that yeah. we lost. Yeah, so that just lets you know our dominance. It's not being cocky, but, you know, we have to go out there and play the game. We can't win – it's a saying that they say down here in Miami at the Pro-Am, bring your game, not your name. And so we got to go out there and bring our game. And when we do that, we should be fine. All right, I got a two-part question. I'm going to shift it a little bit off of Olympic basketball now. So obviously, Olympic basketball would be your number one sport. And we've talked about how you were a multi-sport athlete in high school. You had the opportunity to maybe go another, play another sport in college too. If you could not play in Olympic basketball, Different sport, though. What would be your Olympic sport? What would you compete in? What would be your best opportunity to be in? Uh, what sport? My best opportunity to be Olympian. I mean, I would say basketball. Um, I mean, besides that. <laughs> if I had a we, got, we obviously I know, know I know that. I know that. I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> basketball. Um, track and field. 
Yeah, it's got to be what, like the hundred meter dash or something like that, right? You got you got speed. Yeah, but I wouldn't be. Nah, I'm not that that fast. That's elite elite fast. I would probably be like a mid distance, like 400, 800, or a long jumper. That's what I was really good at when I when I did track 400, 800, and the uh, long jumper were my those were my my events that I that you know I believe if I if I focused totally on that and trained on that, that I could possibly be an Olympian in those sports. And then, um, you know, baseball. You know, I played baseball growing up. I played select team, like select ball. Um, so, you know, baseball was one of my sports that I played as well. Do you have any uh, favorite Summer Olympics that you like to watch, different sports that you try to yeah. catch on? Whenever- yeah. Other than basketball, I like to watch gymnastics. I like to watch um, swimming. Um, I like to watch um, soccer. Um, and there's one more: swimming, gymnastics, soccer, and um. Hey, I'm drawing a blank right now. It's one more sport that I that I like that I like to watch. Have you caught any of the three on three basketball at all? I have. That's you know what? Cool. I haven't. I haven't got into that because. I haven't really got into that, but I can't believe that that's an actual real sport in the Olympics now. I need to watch that yeah. more often. But I love watching, like, Simone Biles. I love seeing the swimmers, you know, break the world records and things like that. I, I love watching that. Those are all sports that I can't do, so I can appreciate those sports even more, you know? Yeah, definitely. I was watching Simone Biles last night, and it's it's incredible, man. Like the the athleticism, the strength, the stuff they do, it's it's just unreal. Um, so um, oh, yeah, track and field, track and field is the other one. Track okay. and field, I love All watching right. the track. And yeah, field. yeah, yeah. I love I love seeing the the challenge of the USA sprinters try to beat the Jamaicans. I love watching that because them Jamaicans be rolling. Much faster than me, that's for sure. Uh, so we have a lot of people in the chat. We will uh, we'll take questions here in just a minute. We're going to transition it over to the Miami Heat. We are finally on uh, draft week, so we have the draft on Thursday. Uh, the Heat do not have any draft picks, so we're going to maybe steer clear a little bit of talking Heat draft. But, Norris, do you have anybody in the draft that maybe caught your eye last year watching college basketball? I know at the time it's probably difficult for you to catch some of those games being overseas. But anybody in the draft that you see – you know, maybe is destined for stardom in the end. Destined for stardom, I'm not sure, but all of the guys coming out of Michigan from Jawan Howard's program have a legit chance because I know what he's about. I know what he's about. I know the type of program he runs. Um, he had a really, you know, he had a really talented group of guys. I think it was like three of them that really have a legit chance of, um, you know, being drafted or being signed uh, as a free agent. You know, but, you know, I kept up with him just because, you know, he was my teammate. We won championship together. Um, Cade Cunningham, obviously, they're talking about him being a number one pick. I got to see a few of his games. I love the pace of his game. He reminds me of, like, I'm not saying that he is, but he his pace reminds me of, like, Luka Dantich. He moves at his own speed. He's 6'8". He's never off balance, and he can get his shot off on anybody. So I'm interested to see how he'll transition um, to the league. Yeah, he's going to be a good one. And, you know, you have those other guards, Jalen Green. Um, you have Evan Mobley coming out of USC, a big guy. It, it's interesting. And you saw some dominoes start to fall today. There's a, a trade that happened between the Pelicans and the um, – drawing a blank, the Grizzlies. Um, mm-hmm. Between Steven Adams and Eric 
Bledsoe got traded. They they swapped some picks, and uh, and uh, Jonas Valanciunas went over to the to the Pelicans. It could be interesting with the Heat. Um, it opens up some salary that could potentially be used. Uh, they may be targeting. They say they may be targeting Kyle Lowry uh, to try to pair a veteran point guard with Zion. It also opens up some room that they could go after someone like Duncan Robinson, which they apparently are very interested in. And you're starting to see, you know, this is kind of the fun part, you know, not just as a Heat fan, but an NBA fan where you're starting to see, you know, the the, the path being plowed out. You know, what's going to happen in free agency? What's going to happen in the draft and things like that? So, you know, Norris, what are you thinking, you know, as we, as we enter this kind of scary times of uh, free agency? We don't really know what's going to happen. What do you think the path is? I know you've talked about a three-level score before. What would you say the Heat really need to focus on maybe in that first week of free agency? That first week of free agency, you got to solidify your point guard position. Who's going to be your point guard? Who are you going to have running the show? You know, you know you have Jimmy, you know you have Bam, but you got to have, you know, you got to have your point guard. You got to have that position solidified in this NBA. No point guard, you know, not much success in this league that, that we play in now. So I think that position right there, then we had to find some depth in the front court, you know, to, to play with Bam and to back Bam up, you know, even though he's young, got young legs and can play a lot of minutes, but you got to have somebody he can be down there with to take some of the pressure off of him when it comes to defending and rebounding and shooting, spacing the floor. So I believe those are going to be, you know, the first two things. Then you have to have depth. You know, you got to have depth. You got to have guys that can come in, change the pace of the game, guys that can come in and hold the lead or break into a lead. What do you think about one of the things that's going to happen? By the way, first, I'm ready for that. I'm ready to do that role, by the way. <laughs> Disclaimer. We keep Eric and Pat or Andy, if you're listening, we're, we're still we're still pitching it out there. Norris is ready. He's, he just worked out. He worked out three times today. So he's in heat shape. He can pass the conditioning test. He's ready for all that. Absolutely. They know that. <laughs> um, well, one of the questions I was going to ask is, you know, talking about one of the first things that's going to happen for the Heat is they have a decision to make on Andre Iguodala and Goran Dragic's team options. And essentially, if they opt into those, they're staying around for somewhere between 15 and $20 million, um, for another year. They would be an expiring contract. There is one path where you may use those as trade chips. You know, expiring contracts have a lot of value in the NBA. They're big salaries that could be moved. But at the same time, you know, heat culture is built on this family atmosphere, taking care of people. And I know if you think back, um, if you think back to your teams, you know, Mike Miller, there were, there were some things that happened that sort of started to chip away at the chemistry, I would say. And, and you know better than me because you were in, you know, you were on that team, but what do you think about a guy like Goron that's been here for, you know, for so long? He probably is going to have his numbers up in the rafters someday. But trading him, how does that affect the chemistry of a team if that's the route they would go? Mm. I don't know. I think, you know, Goron has kind of made his home in Miami. So, you know, he's well-loved around the organization. Um, the team knows him. He knows the organization. He knows how things function. So to, if he was not to be there, they would obviously have to bring in someone who fits into the heat culture, but who can also play at a high level, you know, either at his level or above his level, you know, and that's, that's something that they have to, that's something that they have to judge and something he has to judge too, you know, and one thing about playing for Miami Heat, 
once you get paid, it's no longer about that. It's about production. That's what it's about. And so they have to find the style of play that they want and go get that type of guard to bring in so that they can play the style of play, you know, that Coach Spo is looking to play. All right, as we start to move into uh, some, some names and maybe taking some, uh, some questions from the crowd, one name that has been brought up, and we've talked about him before, and now it's coming back again with that New Orleans Pelicans, is Brandon mm-hmm. Ingram. And it's been connecting the dots again. Uh, we have a friend of the show, Adam Barai, uh, with Five, Five Reasons Sports. He's been connecting the dots, and it seems as if Brandon Ingram has some interest in the Miami Heat. Like, that feeling is mutual. Yes, sir. Ooh. If we can get someone like that, I know you've talked about this before, but... I mean, that, that opens up everything, right? That's the three-level score. That's the explosive guy that we would need. Absolutely. that <laughs> I really think that that would be a great fit. One, for him professionally. Two, you know, he, his, he's needed. We need a guy that can be a three-level score. Um, that's just an all-around great fit for me. And, you know, with his length, you know, that can solidify the front court or the back court, depending on which position you want to play him at. If you want to go small ball, you know, play him at the four sometime, or you want to put him at the at the two or the three. And if he's the three, Jimmy can play the two, or vice versa. However, you want to mix it up, or Jimmy can play the point sometime. Ingram can play the three. You you have another guard. You know, Duncan Robinson, and then you have Bam, and you bring in another four man. You have great length out there on the floor. I I, I like the Bam. I like that. I like Brandon Ingram. I, I really, really. I, I told you before. I believe that might be the best move they can make other than bringing in like a like a super superstar type of player. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. If we can get Ingram and I know the cost would be high, but he's the guy that it's worth whatever you have to trade, whatever you have to send. He, he's just that good. He fits what we need. Yeah, uh, we do have a question. Cool. So you, also got, you also Go got some maybe some it's maybe it's like some disgruntled players, some disgruntled superstars that are looking to get out, you know, that could be something that's interesting too. That that can be something that could be interesting too. You never know. Maybe like a Zach Levine or maybe a Donovan Mitchell or you know, you never know. Something could come up and a player can be disgruntled and be like, I want out. And then he can put themselves in a position to be able to put a package together to get that. Not saying that that's what's happening, but you know, things like that do happen around draft time, around free agency time. And we saw even last year into the fall with James Harden, those things are on a Absolutely. You never know, and you just have to have the pieces that you can move to make those trades happen. I want to send it over to Nando. Uh, Nando has uh, got a question. Uh, yeah, man, how's it going? First of all, I uh, just want to say I love what you guys do, man. Keep doing your thing. I'm always listening to your podcast, but I got a question. Uh, so over the weekend, there was, like, some rumors. I don't know how true it is that possibly Pascal Siakam might be available. So mm. I wanted to ask you guys. Let's say you had to choose one. Let's say you could get either or. I'm not saying who's better, but if you had to choose between Siakam or Ingram, which one you which one do you guys think would be a better fit for this Heat team? I think Brandon Ingram because you need – I mean, neither one of them would be wrong, but I think Brandon Ingram because Brandon Ingram is a better shooter. Um, he's, he's a better three-level scorer, and you're going to need that. Um, Siakam is great at driving the ball to the basket. His activity level of rebounding is great. Um, I mean, but that's what we have Bam for, and we have Jimmy, you know, to attack and do all those things. We need somebody that we can give the ball to and say, take over the game, win the game. And it can't be just Jimmy. You know, as as we saw, 
in the finals, you have to have multiple guys that you can say, here, take the ball, make a play, win it for us. And I believe Brandon Ingram is that guy. No doubt, no doubt. Thanks for take, taking my question, brother. No doubt. If anybody else wants to jump on and ask any questions, you can definitely do that. Appreciate Nando for jumping on and asking that question. He's got a great pod, the Miami Sports Vibe podcast uh, that he he does every week. So check that out. I see a couple things in the chat talking about Brandon Ingram. He's a bucket getter, that's for sure. That's a good uh, from Tony. His length, you know, you, you can train him, I think, into him being a little bit better defender. He hasn't shown that so far in his early career, but you get him in the Miami Heat culture, I think that grows and he has the tools to do it. You think that's uh, something that could happen, Norris, with Brandon Ingram becoming a little bit better defender? In the- Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, culture is everything. When you come to a competitive culture, I believe Brandon Ingram is a competitor. And so when you come to a competitive culture, you know, you, you're going to compete. You know, you don't need him to be the best defender in the league. You just need him to be solid. And I believe he's very capable. He has all the tools to do that. All right, guys. Well, we're, uh, we are just over 30 minutes, so we're going to kind of close it down. Uh, we want to thank Bet Online. They're one of our sponsors for our show. We put this out every week. We don't always do this on Green Room. This is sort of a once-a-month thing where we try to get you guys involved. Um, so you can check us out as the Believe in Miami Heat podcast. Uh, you can check that out on Spotify, any of those other podcast servers where you can get us at. Uh, it's a weekly show. We usually put it out in the middle of the week. Norris and I always talk in Miami Heat. Starting next week, we're going to start to really have a lot of free agency stuff going on, so that'll kind of shift our focus. Uh, but we definitely appreciate you guys tuning in, as always, and uh, I'll send it to Norris for his uh, close it out. Heat Nation, once again, we appreciate you guys signing in with us. Make sure you like, make sure you subscribe, make sure you hit us up. Heat Nation, the champ, we out! Thanks, guys. Thank you, Norris. No doubt, no doubt. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.